This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding members Joe Coglin and Martin Carlino as we get you all caught up in the crazy spring season that is going on right now in high school sports. Just a quick reminder before I give you guys the breakdown of what we've got going on in this week's episode, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Android, whatever works for you guys. Make sure you guys are listening there. Subscribe, write a nice little uh, review as well. The more reviews and more uh, uh, subscriptions we get, the better uh, reviews and uh, more availability we have to uh, reach out to other uh, fans of high school sports in the state of Illinois. So make sure you pass the word along. We're going to do a typical four-quarter format in this week's episode of the podcast. In the first quarter, we're going to recap our first week of spring football uh, this past week with some scores. Um, in the second week, we're going to hear from new Trier football player Brody Roth after a good week from him and a big win for the Trevians against Glenbrook South. In the third quarter, we're going to play way or no way with uh, everything else going on in the sports uh, world. We have a lot of sports going on, so we'll hit on some storylines there and get some guesses from the guys there. And in the fourth quarter, we're going to preview uh, week two of football, make some predictions, look forward to some big matchups for both Loyola and Nutrier heading into the weekend. So why don't we get things started here and recap uh, week one of football uh, for our area teams here in the first quarter, where why don't we start off with Loyola? We were talking about this last week about big game um, against St. Rita to start the season at St. Rita. Um and it really seemed like it was kind of a bookend uh, game, if that makes any sense, where you had strong play, you had a score at the beginning, you had a score at the end, and then that's pretty much everything else. But um, it kind of shows you how talented these two teams are uh, facing off against each other. And the 7-3 win for the Ramblers over St. Rita. Von Pepperton scores the game-winning touchdown in the final minutes, and the Loyola Ramblers get a key uh, interception from um, – a Loyola senior defensive back, Artis Benjamin, um, as the Ramblers pull off a win against the Mustangs in a game, guys, that um, really um, kind of sets up uh, what the season is going to look like for uh, the Ramblers, at least playing in such a tough division where every week I feel like is going to feel like a championship game. Yeah, I mean, uh, to start, I think we all owe a little bit of an apology to the St. Rita defense um, from our predictions <laughs> last week. You know, we were talking about that. I think we were all jazzed up from the preview um, that, that Marty put out there about that Loyola offense. And I think it's going to be just fine. I'm not saying that, but St. Rita defense is legit. They held Loyola down. I think it might be an offense for the Ramblers that are still trying to figure a few things out, but um, clearly that defense can play um, for the Mustangs. So um, apologies there. It we'll have to good. have a conversation with our scouting director. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a Catholic League slugfest in the cold. It was kind of like a November 
or late October game. Um, so in that way, it was football as usual in the in Chicago Catholic League. There's no easy uh, easy passes and um, sets up quite a matchup with Carmel, um, who had had a good opening win too. So, um, you know, the Loyola defense played like we thought they would, giving up three points and none after the first three minutes, uh, five minutes, I should say. So um, they – they're a classic Ramblers defense and then offense needs to put it together though, if they want to take down Carmel. And this is what we sort of talked about last week, guys, right. With there being this, with this being such a dangerous team because of um, the high level uh, of experience on both sides of the ball. So we see even in the situations like in this week, one game where um, things aren't going according to plan on the offensive side of the ball and they're struggling a little bit there. And, um, having some difficulty moving the ball, then the defense steps up and basically pitches a shutout against a really nice offense. So that I I think is a perfect example of uh, circling back on what we discussed last week about what's going to make this Loyola team so dangerous. And then obviously Pemberton getting into uh, the end zone with just over two minutes left in the game and the defensive backfield that we, we praised pretty extensively during uh, last week's preview episode comes up with the uh, big play to sort of swing the momentum for the Ramblers and create that opportunity. Um, but we, we talked about how much they were going to try to um, focus on Caleb Brown from St. Rita. And if you read the uh, opening couple paragraphs from reporter Neil Milbert's story, you can see how um, the Ramblers were sort of making it a priority, obviously, to, um, to double up Caleb in, in many situations and make it very difficult for him. And it seems like they, uh, they did so through, throughout the game with holding the Mustangs to just those three points. Yeah, it seemed like it was a very uh, – for uh, those who obviously have been following the Ramblers for around 15 years now, it seemed like a very classic Loyola game where um, the, the defense just kind of kept you in. It kept you uh, um, really uh, making key plays. I mean, that's kind of been the calling call for uh, John Halasek's defense the entire time where you got – a key interception with 70 seconds left in the game against probably the best player in the state uh, in Caleb Brown. I mean, you're just getting key plays from guys. I mean, both Marty Hour and uh, uh, Benjamin uh, were double teaming Caleb Brown on that interception. They, like uh, you said, Marty, uh, Benjamin said in the story that he just trusted each other to make the play. Um, and uh, you just see critical plays. And I'm sure um, the offense is going to be uh, working on uh, some stuff this week. I mean, um, obviously you, like we talked about last week, Von Pemberton was a big name. We talked about who has that experience to, uh, um, to make big plays. And he did it, did it in, against the tough, uh, Rita defense. But I know, um, guys only one weekend. I mean, obviously one game doesn't tell the tale of any, any team or anything like that, but, um, is the offense anything to be concerned about? I mean, I know, like I'm saying again, it's one game, but. Obviously, like you guys talked about, Mount Carmel's coming up and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, yes, Loyola did score a critical touchdown when they needed it. But um, no matter how talented that uh, Loyola defense is, it's going to be hard to limit these tough teams to three points every single week. So um, how concerned and how how much do you guys feel like the offense really needs to uh, figure some things out as we get going here? Yeah, I'm not concerned really, really much at all, quite frankly. And if you sort of consider it from the perspective that, you know, this is the first time these teams are, are seeing game action in more than 18 months, um, which is obviously an incredibly lengthy layoff. And uh, I think it's sort of something we saw through throughout the state on Friday night into Saturday that 
Um, some teams sort of sort sort of struggled out of the gate offensively. Um, you know, this is the first time they're they're running um, plays against opposing defenses that are not you know their own players in practice. So that takes some adjustment. That takes some getting used to. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, obviously we we sort of underestimated the St. Rita defense quite a bit um, last weekend. I mean, the Mustangs showed that uh, they're right up there with one of the ben- better defensive units uh, in the certainly in the conference and possibly in the state. So um, I'm not I'm not too concerned yet. Um, I think we'll see the Ramblers uh, sh- show us a little more on offense this week. Yeah, I don't know if concerns the right word, but I do think it's something to keep an eye on. Um, I do, you know, you know, even, even versus the toughest defense in the league, you, you know, Loyola wants to put some points on the board before the final two, three minutes um, and they can. So what isn't working, what didn't work. I think we heard a little bit from Holosek talk about how um, their quarterback JT Thomas made some, made some poor decisions. Um, and like Marty said, that can happen in the first week with maybe whether it's too much energy or um, just being surprised by um, in-game play moving so fast. Um, but, you know, battle of turnovers is always a good predictor of, of victory and, and defeat. Um, so you want to watch those turnovers. And he talked about the offensive line, you, you know, losing Josh Krutz, uh, a two-year starter moving to his third year, big deal. Um, and if for a team that wants to run the ball, continuity is going to be a big deal in opening those holes and kind of feeling a flow. They don't have too much time to work on that, but hopefully we see that that open up a little bit and get a little more fluid moving forward. Um, so we'll see if it was really St. Rita having, you know, a Loyola caliber, caliber defense or the offense has some things to work out and uh, we'll certainly see against against Carmel. Yeah, definitely. And we'll talk more about them on Mount Carmel matchup in the fourth quarter. But why don't we move on over now to the Nutria football team who started the season with a big 28 to seven win over Glenburg South on Friday night in Northfield. Um, Marty, I know you're at the game and it seems like uh, once the Tribunes got it started in the on their first possession, it just seemed like they continued to control the game um, for much of the night. Yeah, I was really impressed with what I saw from Nutria on, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. And you you mentioned it right there, Michael, but Nutria started out the game with a, um, I think it was either a five or six play, 71-yard uh, touchdown drive. So they came out of the gates firing, and within their first three plays, it was three consecutive hand handoffs to um, Brody Roth, and um, he – exploded for for 60 yards and got Nutrier's offense into GBS's red zone um, almost immediately and then a couple incompletions and then a, f- a few plays later and Kremen Scoli on a, on a quarterback keeper sort of draw play got into the end zone to give Nutrier a, a quick six nothing lead uh, but then after that both teams their offenses stalled uh, a little bit and it wasn't until uh, about midway through the second quarter that we saw Nutrier strike again um, on a 37-yard touchdown pass from Kramascoli to Alex Mendez that uh, made it a 14-0 game. The, the Trevs went for two after and converted. But um, in addition to what we saw, what I saw from Nutria on offense, um, I was really impressed with how they played on defense. They essentially shut down GBS um, the entire game. The Titans added in a, a fourth-quarter score uh, at the end of the game with a couple minutes left, and it was sort of when Nutria's uh, second defensive unit was in. But uh, before that, and, and the, for, the, for the majority of the game, anytime GBS showed any signs of life, 
uh, on offense, Nutria basically shut it down right away. They generated five turnovers, which is uh, really significant. They've got a lot of speed on defense and they demonstrated a, a consistent ability to, to pressure the quarterback, which as we mentioned last week with uh, some of the size that GBS has on the offensive line, that's something Nutria should be really proud of being able to, uh, to generate such, such pressure uh, against one of the bigger lines that they think they're going to face this season. Yeah, I think it was a, a sign of things to come just reading um, Marty's story and watching some of the highlights from that game. Um, on, on the offensive end, just a, a, a fast and a, I guess, diverse attack, you know, using um, their quarterback in the run game and, and Brody obviously is the tailback also getting Harden a touch or two out of the, uh, the wildcat formation near the goal line. I think they did that on a two point conversion, if I'm not wrong. Um, so um, throwing the ball a little bit to their new weapon, Alex Mendez, a junior, who they're really happy with. Uh, you could kind of tell how coach was talking about that in Marty's preview. Um, so uh, they're, they're going to be tough on offense to completely stop. I think they're going to put up points. Um, and it seemed like they were in control of this game throughout. So who knows if they could have put up more if, if they allowed more. But that defense um, is going to be pretty formidable, it seems. So pretty close to what we thought. Um, I think uh, – we thought the offense might take some time to get fluid and get adjusted and, and, and look cohesive, but I think they did that a little quicker, but we thought they'd be in the twenties and uh, maybe we underestimated their defense a little bit and being able to, to completely stop GBS's run game. So pretty cool stuff, pretty cool showing um, in week one. Yeah. And we definitely saw from the offense, just how several different, different players are going to be, a key part of the overall unit, which is always a really good sign. We saw obviously Roth heavily involved. We saw Harden make significant contrib contributions on offense. Mendez, as Joe mentioned, was key part for the Trevs. He had some, uh, some real nice end around runs, some real nice receptions, and obviously the big touchdown grab. And then um, they didn't target Cohen as much as I thought they would, but he got involved a little bit. I think he had two or three receptions and, uh, on one of the receptions had a nice little uh, broke a couple tackles and had a nice little gain after it. But um, there, there's a lot of weapons on offense and obviously Kremaskoli on, under center is the, uh, is the guy that's going to have to lead him there and orchestrate that offense and um, saw, saw a lot from him in both his ability to pass and to, uh, to get outside of the pocket and either um, navigate out, outside of the pocket or, or deliver some real nice runs for the Trevs when they needed some yards and, the passing game has kind of had kind of stalled a little bit. So I think we're going to see some really um, high offensive showings from, from Nutria this season. Well, so we'll hear more from Brody in the second quarter uh, as uh, we get more insight about Friday night's game, but some other scores just to keep you uh, folks at home interested. Uh, Evanston beat GBN 48 to six uh, over the weekend. Main South beat Niles West 49 to six. Uh, High-scoring games over there, and then Mount Carmel took care of Montini, thirty-one to twenty-one, in a tight battle there in the CCL, ESCCL. I don't know what division that is. I guess I'm probably not in the same division, but um, it's hard to keep track of all these new divisions now with all these Catholic League uh, teams. But um, Evanston and Maine South both dominating in the CSL South so far. Um, GBN and Niles West uh, each putting up six points. Um, any of that surprise you guys? Just kind of looking around, anything like that, or is that kind of what we expected? Uh, heading into the season. 
Yeah, we mentioned a little bit in our preview episode how Evanston was maybe the team to watch in the CSL South because we hadn't heard a lot about them and hadn't had a chance to um, to really dig into what they to what they might be offering this season. So that um, week three matchup when they'll be facing Nutrier on a, on a Saturday afternoon in Northfield, I think is the game that um, I should say the upcoming game that we have circled on our schedules as really uh, going to be a, a, a very nice test to see how Nutrier is going to stack up in this conference and um, what their aspirations are going to look like in terms of winning the conference. So I was a little bit su- surprised to see a, a, such a high score from Evanston and um, just from, from scanning some of the stories written about that game and, and some of the social media presence sounds like uh, Evanston has some really nice talent on both sides of the ball. So I'll be really intrigued to see um, what they do this week and more so what they do in week three when they face Nutrier. Yeah, I was a little surprised by the Evanston score. Um, you know, GBN has had a bit of a tough time since coming down to the South Division um, overall, um, but um, I didn't expect, a, you know, nearly 50 points scored by Evanston. So, you know, especially as we talked about in the preview, losing Nicholson, but um, they do have a, a, a experienced team back. So I think we are really running up to, I think, you know, Maine South taking care of business in Niles West isn't, isn't a huge surprise um i think nutria will take care of business this week and i think we're going to see you know we're rolling up into a, a big week three matchup between the two um you know in the in the catholic league um montini mount carmel i knew would be a pretty good battle i guess mount carmel controlling the game uh, not not real surprising being the second ranked team and definitely top five team but montini is really good so uh they're always really good so you know watch out loyal this is going to be a great great battle this saturday um, other scores in the CCL, I think Brother Rice took care of Providence, and I think Marist beat up on somebody, um, Notre Dame up here. So, and, and they beat up them pretty good. So, it's gonna be a week to week slog for Loyola, but they, I mean, they do this every year. So, I, I don't know if I'm saying anything, I'm not saying anything that's uh, that's out of the ordinary, but um, it's gonna be cool. Um, it's setting up for a good, a fun short season. We do Definitely. have. We do have Evanston versus uh, Maine South on the docket this week, so I think we'll get gonna, some. Okay, I think okay, we'll get some real nice clarity about how how both teams stack up against each other and uh, what the what the top half of the CSL South is going to look like this season. Definitely. So we'll talk more about football in the fourth quarter, but we're actually going to stick with football in the second quarter and uh, hear from Nutrier. Um, player Brody Roth after a big 28 to seven win over Glenbrook South on Friday night. Marty, I know you got the chance to catch up with Brody. So uh, what are the folks at home going to hear from him? Yeah, we start out with a little bit about just um, what it was like for Brody and the team overall to, uh, to be back on the field after such a, such a long layoff and such a period of uncertainty regarding this season. Uh, And then we get into a little bit about the the game itself. Um, Brody was a huge part for, Nutria both on offense and defense. He um, had over a hundred rushing yards and 10 plus tackles, a big sack on defense. So we talk a little bit about just how much, uh, how much pride he takes in, in being a contributor on both Nutria's uh, offense and defense. All right, let's take a listen. Brody, what it was like getting out there tonight and what it felt like getting back on the field 18 months after your last game. Uh, I mean, it was it was ecstatic. I mean, to have a fan section at all, let alone Nutrier having 250 kids screaming our names. I mean, 
the second the first ball was snapped, I knew exactly where I was, and it, it felt great. Yeah, and what was it like, Corey Brody, Brody getting rolling early on? You had those couple big rush plays right off the bat. Um, what was that like for you, confidence-wise, just getting off to a great start there? Uh, huge confidence booster. Um, our, our line really stepped up. We had a lot of guys, young guys. Uh, they really filled our positions well and I, I'm really confident in our line. Yeah, and then with that big uh, running touchdown there in the, in the second half, Brody, what was that like for you? Uh, walk me through that play, uh, sort of what did you see, and then uh, it looked like you kind of caught a hole and exploded through it. Um, just walk me through that play a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got the ball, eyes were up, I, I read my guards, uh, it looks like it was going outside, and then it was just a couple one-on-ones and I made some guys miss. And then on the, the defensive side of the ball, obviously a really nice night for the team as a whole and you yourself too. Um, just how much pride do you take in it, playing both sides of the ball and being such a, a big part of both the offense and the defense on the team? Uh, a lot of pride. I mean, there's only a, a select few guys that, that can do it for us. Uh, and they let do it for us. And, and those handful of guys are really the captains. And, and uh, I mean, to be able to be on practice. It's a great feeling. What did it feel like getting those couple pressures in on the quarterback there? <laughs> that, that was a good feeling to, to have again. Uh, definitely missed, missed hitting some quarterbacks. 1-0, <laughs> how does it feel, Brody? And what's the mindset for next week? How do you guys make it 2-0? Uh, I mean, we keep it rolling. We keep the, the morale high. Um, I think we, we stick with our game plan. It, it works. Um, and, yeah, everything is Niles West right now. So. Thanks so much, Brody, for joining us this week. And thanks, as always, to the coaches and players. Always good to get your guys' insights. So as we're halfway through the podcast, let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better, live better. All right, in the third quarter, we're going to play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game where Joe and Marty have to say whether a proposition I say is right, way or no way, it is not right. We got five this week back to the... Um, original five. Now that we have a lot of sports going on, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So um, why don't we get things started here? We had uh, Nutria and Loyola play against each other last Friday night with Loyola winning in two sets. Um, so way or no way, Marty, that the Loyola girls volleyball team wins their conference this year. I'm going to go no way on this one, Michael, just because it seems like right before um, the matchup against Nutria, they had a, a matchup the day prior against St. Ignatius and it looks like they fell short in that matchup. So um, with already um, falling once to Ignatius, it kind of seems like it'll be hard to swing that uh, momentum around, but, and overcome them. But I think they'll be right near the top, but um, just because a little bit of what we've seen so far, I'm going to go no way on that one. Yeah. Just like um, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with Marty and go no way. Uh, this conference is pretty, Pretty big this year, pretty talented with, you mentioned Ignatius, you know, they split with Ignatius, but then they lost to De La Salle also in the conference. So they're sitting at one and two in the conference right now. You got Resurrection who's always good. Um, you know, you're going to play Trinity. Um, just a lot of teams that with a lot of talent. Um, Fenwick too, you're going to have to play in Macaulay. So that's a that's a ridiculous conference. And Loyola's got a really good team this year. They got a um, – a few college bound athletes, um, both of their outside hitters. So I think they're, they're a potent attack, but um, I think the conference is too strong and they'll be right there in the top third. 
All right, Joe, way or no way that the new Trail Girls hockey team finishes their season undefeated this year? Undefeated, man. I have not done a full schedule review, but um, shortened season, which, you know, takes away maybe some of the um, repeat games where they usually play, I don't know how many times against Lake Forest they play a year. I'm another one of the best teams in the area. But uh, I'm going to say, yeah, I think uh, they return a lot. They were really excited um, to come back this year when I talked to their coach um, preseason. Um, they're back-to-back champs, um, I think, uh, you know, in the 2019 and 2018. So uh, I, I think I think they're the ones to beat. I think someone's going to have to come get them, and uh, I don't think they're going to be beat until maybe the championship game. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Joe here and go away. Um, this is a team that, you know, over the past, you you can even say more than just a couple of years, you know, even the past five to seven years, we've seen just be sort of the, uh, the personification of dominant and state championship after state championship. And one of the teams that, that challenges them frequently, as Joe mentioned, was Lake Forest. So um, haven't had a chance similar to Joe to go game by game into the schedule, but always like what this program is, is bringing and always know that there there's going to be big things in store. So I'm going to, I'm going to agree. And I think with, um, you know, there'll be a little bit extra, a little bit of extra motivation because of the layoff and they'll be ready to roll and have a real nice season here. All right. Uh, the new cheer boys soccer team are undefeated still and have finished their CSL crossover. So they, uh, have, uh, finished playing all the teams from the CSL North North so far this year. Obviously they still have not played many or any uh, CSL South team. So um, obviously the start of the division uh, race here, uh, way or no way, Marty, that the New Jersey boys soccer team uh, can win the CSL South this year. I'm going to go way on this one, Michael, just because what we've seen so far in the early portion of the season from the, uh, the Trevians team. I mean, we've just seen them put up some really impressive score totals. I think they're, um, undefeated to this point and beating teams by a, an average of like two or three goals per game. And um, there's just seems to be a tremendous amount of balance and senior talent on this roster. Uh, but as you mentioned there, Michael, now getting into the CSL South portion of their schedule is going to be the real challenges uh, of that schedule with the Glenbrook South, the Evanston's, the GBN's of the world. So this is really going to test their overall depth and we'll really see um, what kind of unit they're going to be this year, but I think they're the, I think they're the favorite to, to win the CSL South. Got another agree. I think, uh, I think they're going to, they got a pretty good hold on it right now. You know, um, they're seven, no, and they have a 28 to four goals to goals against ratio. That's, you know, that's an average of a four nil victory, um, so far. So they're, they're taking care of business uh, and they're doing it with authority. And uh, I think, you know, Evanston was the one we were kind of concerned about, uh, you know, Nutrier uh, might've been concerned about, um, you know, they're three, they've, they got a couple losses already. So um, that's no knock on Evanston. It's just, you know, showing how dominant Nutrier has been so far in some non-con games and some crossover games. So uh, pretty cool stuff from Nutrier. I think we're going to see um, them take the division and, uh, you know, maybe end with a pretty special season um, in, in this weird year. All right. We talked about the Loyola girls volleyball team. Now let's talk about the new chair girls volleyball team. Um, obviously losing to uh, Loyola on Friday night, but bouncing bag with a win against GBN. Uh, Joe, way or no way that the new chair girls volleyball team actually finishes with more wins than Loyola does this year. Ooh. 
Ooh, good one. Um, you know, assuming they both play a similar amount of games, I, I say that could be a way just because um, I will say way just because Loyola has a tougher conference. I feel like um, Nutrier has been the class of, of the central suburban um, South for a long time. And even in their, um, let's say, let's call them down years for Nutrier where they don't make the state finals or the, or the state final four, um, they're, they're at the top or the tops of the CSL South. So um, they're going to stack up wins there um, against teams like um, GBN and um, Evanston and uh, Maine South. Um, so uh, I'll say that they end with more wins. Yeah. And we can't go four questions without a disagreement. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go no way here. <laughs> um we talked a little bit earlier there about the, the talent that Loyola is bringing. And even though they're playing a little bit, they're probably playing a little bit of a harder overall schedule with their conference. I think it'll be a very close margin, but I think I'm going to go plus one to two wins for Loyola. So I'm going to say that the Ramblers have just uh, a little bit higher um, win total than the Trevs this year. All right. And then the fifth question, we're going to go back to football to finish things off here in a way or no way. Uh, obviously, we saw a tough battle for Loyola against St. Rita, and I know we talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, but Marty, way or no way that you still uh, think that Loyola football finishes the season undefeated after their first uh, tough game against St. Rita? Yeah, I'm still going way here, and the fact that they were able to sneak out with a victory, uh, uh, even though it seems like the Mustangs had control of the game for the first three, if not three and a half quarters of the game. The fact that they were still able to get away with the win uh, on the road, opening week, tough test. Obviously things weren't going uh, the way that they had planned. So I'm still going to go um, way on this one. I still like their chances to finish the season undefeated. Um, but as we've talked about in previous episodes, the big um, tests are coming up with Mount Carmel this week. And then the quick turnaround to face um, brother rice which we know is going to be a really talented uh, pair of teams right here but i'm going to stick with the uh the preseason prediction and still go away here for the ramblers oh my turn to to disagree but i won't do it i i i agree <laughs> yeah. i don't want to uh you know it again i think it might be the homer in me but i i just like this team a lot um you know on paper and i i haven't had a chance to see them i hope to but I think that opening test is, is kind of a, a toughening test. And I think St. Rita is going to do some good things. And I think this is it really. I think this battle with Mount Carmel who, you know, Montini is no, no slouch on offense. Of course they put up numbers, but they gave up 21 points um, to Montini. I think Nutria is going to, or I'm sorry, Loyal is going to get in the end zone a few times. And I don't know Carmel's, you know, one of the best teams in the state, but I don't know if they can put up 20 plus points on Loyola. I don't know if anybody can, so um, I think it's going to be close, but I think Loyola is going to win that one. And when that happens, I, I think they're going to get that momentum and, and get that confidence and take care of business the rest of the slate. Of course, who knows what happens in week five? Um, maybe they get some um, crazy opponent who's the best team in the country. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think they do run the, run the table. All right, there you go, folks. That is way or no way. Uh, good stuff there. Let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we preview uh, some football happening this weekend. And um, why don't we start off with uh, the big matchup like we talked about here, Loyola against Mount Carmel for the last three or four years. It's been a huge uh, 
probably the best game of the year, obviously, outside of the playoffs when these two teams meet against each other. Um, used to be uh, rivals in the same uh, division and stuff, but now uh, obviously in different divisions and different classes with uh, the caravan being in 7A now. But um, what do we, I mean, what are you guys expecting on Saturday um, at Loyola? So uh, obviously the last few times we've, this, these games have always gone to the final minute, whether it's a last second uh, heave to the end zone or something like that. So um, what are you guys expecting? Uh, and what are the keys kind of for the Ramblers? Um, against a team that probably would be competing for a state championship in Mount Carmel. You know, I'm expecting another classic. Um, we've seen a bunch there on uh, on Lake Avenue and, and Wilmette um, between these two teams. We've seen them everywhere, but um, I'm expecting just a really, really quality game um, that's going to come down to the fourth quarter and it's going to come down to a big a big play. And I don't mean like a big 60 yard play. I mean like a big, whether it's a, a goal line stand or a goal line score, or just some type of grinded out um, moment in this game. That's going to, you know, um, change the, change the result. And it's going to happen late. I just really feel like that's, it's, it's what we're getting to here. And I think that's exciting for a season. That's, that's so short like this we're going to have a big moment. Um, we already did in week one and, I think we're going to in week two here with this matchup. So that makes it a lot more fun. Um, I think Mont Carmel brings an offense that can score a running game that can, that can rack up yards and rack up first downs and stay on the field. And Loyola has got to use their strength and keep them off the field and get off the field on third downs. Um, and I think they can, and it's going to, um, and do the opposite. They got to keep the Mont Carmel defense on the field. Um, so I think that's the key to victory and maybe getting a couple turnovers as the high school game is so important, but I think we're going to see a classic. I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm very in line with what Joe said. And um, I like the fact for the Ramblers that the game is in Wilmette. It'll be, uh, I think a positive for them to, to get back home, get that little bit uh, sense of comfort that home field advantage brings. And um, we've seen in years past, obviously over and over again, that it's a, it's challenging for teams to come into Wilmette and particularly those for those Saturday afternoon games. So um, that's certainly something we, we can't overlook in, in looking at the overall picture of this game. Um, in, in the previous quarter, we had mentioned about um, the caravan giving up 21 points, um, three scores last week to Montini. So I think that shows that maybe Loyola's offense is going to be able to do a little bit of damage against them and move the ball um, certainly a little bit better than they did against uh, Rita in week one. And I think the one of the deciding factors is going to be special teams play. Uh, we talked about it in our preview episode about um, how uh, efficient and how successful the Ramblers are in that area of the game with one of the best um, kickers and, and punters, Nate Van Zelt, uh, being on their roster. It sounds like he played a huge factor in the field position battle in week one. Uh, and the minor things like that are, are things that really go a long way in uh, close matchups like this between two very talented teams. So uh, keep an eye on the, the turnover battle. Um, whoever wins the turnover margin, I think, is going to be in really nice shape to win this game. And the field position battle. I think the, the Ramblers have a little bit of edge in uh, special teams. So I think that little, that little advantage there will, will give them the extra push. And I think just, just adding to that, you know, um, something we haven't mentioned in that Montini game is Montini's leading running back was uh, ejected in the first quarter. And 
take everything we're saying about that game with a grain of salt because we we didn't witness it. We're, we're reading the the reports from it. Um, but so you know they gave up. Brother Rice was still able to move the ball and run the ball um, without their their superstar running back. So it says a lot about Brother Rice. I'm sorry, not Brother Rice. Uh, Montini says a lot about Montini. Um, but it says I think you can move the ball on, on Carmel. So um, maybe Loyola gets a little more breathing room than they did on Rita. I know that, um, and obviously this is going to be kind of crazy, but um, I know Jordan Lynch is only like a couple years into his coaching career. But I mean, um, do you feel like these are two of probably the best coaches in the state of Illinois right now? I mean, obviously there are a lot of great coaches in the state, a lot of great, I mean, Maine South, and um, obviously you have downstate coaches and that kind of stuff. But do you feel like as of right now, these are probably two of, I don't know, the best five coaches in the state of Illinois at this point with John Halasek and Jordan Lynch? I know obviously it's hard to compare Jordan Lynch with the long career of second, but at this point it just seems like Mount Carmel is really going. So do you feel like these are probably two of the best coaches in the state as of right now? Yeah, I think that's definitely a, a fair statement to make. And uh, obviously the caravan have a, a long track record of success, but it almost feels like in these recent couple of years since um, Jordan Lynch has taken over that they've even elevated things a bit further. And I'm sort of alluding to that 2019 season, um, and if I'm not mistaken, they play, they won the state title that year, played in the, the 7A title game against Nazareth. Um, sort of the entire um, state and every publication that covers high school football, um, I will say with the exclusion of Joe Coughlin, who did predict that the caravan <laughs> would win that title game, had sort of penciled in Nazareth as the, you know, walk-in championship that they were going to win that game by multiple scores that uh, J.J. McCarthy was just going to go up and down the field and put 40 points on the board and we saw that the caravan proved everyone wrong Uh, if I'm not mistaken it was a double digit victory in that title game as well and they kind of just shut down McCarthy and that Nazareth offense the entire game and that's something that really spoke to me and just showed um, what Jordan Lynch and the coaching staff there are able to do because not many um Uh, predictors and and publications that cover high school football were giving them much of a chance in that title game. And they sort of proved us all wrong. And, and that season was just a a great showing for them. The, the last second victory over Loyola, they had uh, uh, some really impressive non-conference wins in addition to good conference conference wins that year. So I think it's, and then obviously on the Loyola side of thing with uh, what coach Holosek has done there and all the state championship appearances and the multiple state championships, I think that's definitely a fair a fair statement to say two of the the top five to ten coaches in the state, and certainly the uh, the track record backs up that that argument. You know, I'm not ready to put Jordan Lynch in that category yet. Uh, uh, clearly, he's a successful coach, but it's not exactly like Frank Lenti wasn't. He's he's obviously a Hall of Fame coach and an iconic coach in Illinois. And the way that transition went down, it almost, and since I'm not so insular to know enough about it, still makes me kind of uncomfortable because it was a bit questionable to a lot of people around the, the caravan program. Um, but he's clearly a good coach, Jordan Lynch, but I don't know if I'd, I'd put him yet in that Holosek category who, who's built the Loyola program into uh, you know, the tops, if not the top program in the state. Uh, and just since we're doing that, we might as well mention um, in Sarah down in Maine South, what he's done for years and years and years. And uh, of course, Lincoln Way East, Rob Zonar, um, one of the best in, in the state. 
as well. And these are really just um, suburban coaches that, that we know and we watch consistent basis um, as well. There's a lot of downstate programs, you know, that, that I'm really not aware of. So I don't want to speak too much on it, but you know, you see the same teams in the state finals all the time. It's teams like Rochester, but that's not um, <laughs> central Illinois, but you know what I mean? Teams out of our coverage area and, and um, other teams like that. So um, not quite ready to put Jordan Lynch in their category yet, but it's pretty clear he knows what he's doing and he can take a good to great team and make it a, a state championship caliber team. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if other coaches can figure out what he's doing and, and he has to adjust. I think we're kind of still in that period, but he's clearly on, on the right path. All right, I'm going to make the folks at home wait a little bit longer for you guys' Loyola prediction, but let's move on over now to uh, Nutria, where they take on uh, Niles West uh, this week at Niles West on Friday. Um, obviously, Niles West uh, losing um, to Maine South 49-6. Um, so, I mean, what are we expecting out of this game? Do we feel like uh, this, this feels like a good game for Nutria to kind of continue what they started against GBS and uh, kind of keep that train going in the big week three, week, uh, three matchup? Yeah, I think you'll see the Trevs try to come out fast and put some points on the board early um, and try to maybe put the game out of reach early. Uh, obviously, in the, in the last couple of seasons, we've seen uh, Niles West struggle a little bit in conference and out of conference. So I think it's it's pretty fair to say we all feel um, pretty comfortable in predicting New Trier will, uh, will be able to handle Niles West this week. And I, I think they'll try to um, to try to, to – to put this game out of reach quick sooner rather than later so that they can uh, maybe look at some things on both sides of the ball and maybe get um, some of their starters, some rest in that second half as they prepare for um, this upcoming stretch of, of Evanston, Glenbrook North, and then uh, the main South game in the, in the three weeks after. But I expect, uh, I expect a pretty fast start from the Trevs and um, expect them to come out taking the game very seriously and knowing that uh, what, what's ahead of them in these next couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, a lot of times a game like this, uh, you know, media and, and fans might circle it as a trap game, right? It's kind of called that, you know, after, after their opener and before a big game at Evanston. But I really think, you know, we're so pumped about this season that Nutria is going to take care of businesses. Marty said early and often, um, I think they're going to show off, um, some of that offensive depth um, and diversity. Um, I expect um, a lot of ground yards, a lot of control in the game clock and, uh, and some turnovers too. If they put up, you know, five against Glenbrook South, I would expect another big turnover day because of their speed and their pressure they can put. And uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a runaway and a good uh, lead up to Evanston. I think another, give them a lot of confidence in that, uh, in that, um, in that week prior to the Evanston Saturday matchup. So pretty exciting. I, I expect a big score there and a big victory. All right, guys, give me some predictions. What are the, what uh, is the new tree or now is West score going to be at the end of Friday night? I'm going to go 35, 10 new tree here. I think they'll, uh, they'll open up a pretty quick early lead and it'll be a, a three or four score game at halftime. And then, I think Niles West will, will get a couple points on the board there in the second half. So I'm going to go 35-10 uh, neutral. I'm going to extend it a little farther. I think they get in the 40s. Um, I'll actually I'll, – I'll go 42-6. All right. 
And I think uh, Nutria should take care of business pretty easily here. Um, I'm going to go 38 um, and have uh, Niles West uh, end up with a field goal here at three. So, uh, all right, big game on Saturday, Mount Carmel at Loyola. Big uh, implications for um, obviously both teams as we move on to the season. Uh, what are our score predictions there? Yeah, I think the Ramblers, um, I think, you know, we talked about it in the way, no way that it's going to be a slugfest. At least that's what I said. And I, I think that's what it's going to be, but I think both teams are going to be able to get into the end zone. I think Nutrier, or I'm sorry, Loyola is going to do it uh, one more time. Um, and I think they do it late and I think they make it a, uh, a 17, 14 victory. Yeah, I'm, I'm real similar to Joe here uh, with his prediction as well. I'm going to go 24-21 Loyola. Uh, I think I think a, uh, a late turnover is going to swing the game. And I think we'll see, uh, as we've seen in previous matchups, uh, a very close game heading into the final minutes. And I think uh, a late turnover is going to secure a Ramblers victory. You guys have like a slugfest going on or a, a high scoring games going on. I got a 10, six Loyola final going on oh. here. I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a B. I don't know what the wind conditions are going to be. It's actually supposed to rain. Maybe I want to change that prediction a little bit, but um, yeah, I think it'll be a tight game. I think it'll be sloppy. I think these are two good defenses going against each other. And I think uh, um, a Nate Benzel's late game field goal uh, wins it for, uh, for the Ramblers as um Obviously, we'll see a tight game here, a 10-6 game between the team, uh, two teams. But um, should be a lot of fun, a lot of fun football, fun to have football back, and uh, good to be talking about it and for you guys to uh, be part of the conversation as well. So, Do we want to toss a main South Evanston prediction out there too? You can if you want. <laughs> uh, I think I'll go in that game 28-17, main South. I'm going to go in upset pick. You're just such a main South hater, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I You're am. Like and I'm sorry, main South. This has, this has deep wounds going back to my high school days. Uh, it has nothing <laughs> against you or, or your, 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 your community. Um, but I'm going to go Evanston. I like what they're doing. I, I like the experience they're, they're bringing back. And I think they surprise them with a 35, 31 victory. Interesting. I have, uh, um, let's go with a 28 to 13 win for uh, Maine South. I think Maine South take care, takes care of business and um, always good matches between these two teams. But I think Maine South is uh, going to show um, how strong it can be and just exactly what Nutria is going to have to look forward to um, at the end of the season. But um, thanks so much for joining us this week. Just a quick reminder before we say goodbye that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere there, anywhere that they're available. Uh, make sure you give us a nice little comment and spread the word as well. We appreciate all the good uh, reviews. So a lot of fun football going on this weekend, a lot of fun sports going on this weekend. And make sure you check out the record for all the updates on everything that's been going on in there. And, um, all the fun sports that are taking place from there. So for Joe and Marty, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. 
The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.